introducing Minor Wisdom Quintet. Hey guys, so this week on the Minor Podcast, Minor Wisdom Podcast, excuse me, uh, I am now in the closet and uh, with a studio that I have kind of created for myself in the closet of our office space in our house. So uh, Minor Wisdom comes for you, comes to you from In the Closet, which is apropos for a theater-related podcast. Hope everybody is doing well. I hope everybody is staying clean. I hope everybody is quarantining and not going crazy. HISD is officially now quarantining because they just finished their spring break. And I know there were a couple that also did spring break, as you could see by all of the pictures of the people on the beaches in Florida. There were quite a few spring breakers. So hope everybody is actually paying attention to this stuff. And you know, as they say, if it uh, works, you won't even know because nothing will happen. And that means it works. And then you'll have the naysayers. Why did we quarantine? It didn't spread. Well, that's the, the, the point. Anyway, uh, enough about that stuff. We have been getting some stuff done around here. Uh, our district has not really full-on told us yet what we're doing as far as online learning. There are a lot of resources online for us. There are a lot of resources online for you, too, through Facebook. Uh, there are a lot of resources online that uh, different companies have opened up for you to, not only for you to learn, but also for your students to learn. I for one, took advantage of the ETC Connect classes, and I uh, got a certificate this week. It was super easy. If you've ever done the ETC or, or worked on any ETC board or any ETC syntax, easy for me to say, uh, then these classes will come kind of easy to you, and it's a refresher. I also learned a lot of things about the boards that we, I've been using for over 20 years. Um, so I've learned uh, quite a few things because things change. Technology changes. I'm sure that's a newsflash to you. The other thing I wanted to mention, uh, you know, so this is the niche podcast for Texas theater teachers. However, I'd love for it to branch out one day, but keeping it still in Texas because it hasn't branched out yet. But the idea of trying to consolidate all of our one-act plays into the month of May. And that's, I think, right now the plan, assuming we go back and they have announced that May 4th is the day that you can start competing again as of now. But that might change as well, especially if we don't go back to school at all. But uh, I think it's going to be difficult. I think one thing, I'm sure UIL has thought about this because they're very smart people, but I think one thing you guys need to maybe consider and get ahead of is the fact that the budget year for most districts ends in June, and they always tell us stop spending money after a certain date, which is usually sometime in April, maybe early May. Uh, so getting um, your funding for a bus, for travel, for all that stuff, that's going to be difficult for you, and I don't think any of the budget things are going to change. I don't think there's going to be a decree that the budget year gets extended a little longer because then it affects next school year. So I think it's going to be difficult for that. I also think it's going to be difficult to get any sort of transportation approved through your district to be able to travel to these different sites. So um, as much as I would love to obviously see everybody be able to compete, uh, I personally think it's going to be very, very difficult to have these competitions. Now here's my solution because I was always taught I was always taught, don't ever, ever come to a party with a problem unless you have a solution. And my solution would be, well, if you have done this the right way, and surprisingly, there are teachers that don't know you're supposed to uh, apply for rights, even though it's part of the UIL sort of paperwork that you hand into your contest manager. But if you've done this the right way, you should have assumed you're going all the way to state, and you should have applied for... I don't know, depending if you had a district, if you should have applied for six, maybe seven uh, uh, shows that you're producing and paid for all that. So if you have done that and we do go back to school and we 
don't go back to UIL, do a weekend or two of your show, just like you would normally do. Or do just one weekend and run the show literally seven times that week. It's a 40-minute show. shouldn't be any more than that. Also, it takes away the stress of it being 40 minutes. Maybe you can tell the kids explore with taking some moments and beats and breaths and uh, breathing off stage and all that kind of stuff so that you can, you know, maybe do the show more towards the way that the playwright wanted you to do it. I think that could be, uh, it could it could definitely satisfy the students in performing. There's no competitive element, but if you want a competitive element, then have some parents show up and tell you which one was the best of the seven shows you produced or something I don't know or hand them a trophy or a, or, or put it put something around their neck to make them feel better but I think you can still get away with performing the show again I, we were eliminated our district uh, we did a zone in a district the week before our spring break which was the week before this past spring break so we we've been gone for a while but um, so we have not been stressing about one act play we have our other stresses, but, you know, try that. Speaking of stresses, uh, so I've learned this week that teaching elementary school students, teaching my second grader, uh, is actually not as difficult and not as, um, I thought I thought I wouldn't have as much fun. And I'm actually learned to be, I've, I've actually learned to be very, very patient with her and come up with my own new ways of teaching her, especially math. Uh, we built a volcano. That's not hard. Uh, we talked about you know, different countries. Uh, let's just say she announced, pronounced different African countries the incorrect, politically incorrect way, but, you know, so be it. And she has now been taught so that she doesn't make that mistake around mixed company. But it has been actually quite a bit of fun to be able to teach my second grader. Now, my uh, three-year-old, who's um, having none of this school at home crap uh hasn't been taught anything she's regressing so i'll just be honest about that this week uh i've got kathy padrell and now kathy and i sat down at friendswood high school where she has been teaching for two decades um we literally just sat down in her theater and if it sounds funny it's because i recorded it on my phone and it actually worked out really well but it's it's going to sound a little different because i did that uh and we recorded this and or excuse me as we finished recording it that's when we got the the blah, 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 the different notifications. That's my notification sound of of all the schools closing. Of this is that's right when I got my phone off of record and put it back off of uh, airplane mode. I got the message from our superintendent that we, in fact, had closed. And at that point, it was only for two weeks. But uh, we uh, that that's when it all dropped. So the the dynamic had changed so I don't know what we say in this as far as do we think schools are closing but if we do say that uh, just know that it was right before everything started shutting down guys I hope again everybody's doing well um, I'm still going to give you guys a groaner joke of the week and then the interview with Miss Kathy Padrell so I totally stole this from somebody that sent it to me online. How does a cat like their steak? First of all, thank you so very yeah. much. And um, sorry it took me so long to get around it, but um, I was a little busy. <laughs> yes. But that's kind of the way I've lived my life. I've always been busy. Uh, when I was 12 years old, uh, I grew up in an Italian-American family, and when I was 12 years old, uh, Miss Nina Vance, um, hopefully you know who I'm talking about, uh, was, a, was a client of my father's. She was a customer at the, our grocery store on the corner of uh, Montrose and, and, and Beech Nut. And um, she came in, and, she, and I, I, you know, she'd come in and buy her groceries, and one day she just said, Mr. B.C., Mr. Trombatori, you need to get that girl in theater. And um, the rest is kind of history. Here I am. I yeah. just turned 70 years old. I'm still sitting in a theater. Um, and, and not that she launched it, but that's exactly what happened. I guess I was always performing. Sure. Um, I, I grew up um, in Houston theater. Marietta Merrick, uh, Cecil Pickett, um, the um, the real alley, mm -hmm. 
the real old alley, um, um, the beginning of Tuts, um, but most importantly, used to music theater on South Main. And, um, oh my gosh, what a wonderful adventure it was. Um, spending summers and every Saturday uh, working there, you know, as I entered high school, um, watching Tommy Toon come to and from um, Lon Morris College and, and um, uh, watching him tap dance in the lobby. And of course, then he was just a huge giant to a four foot 10 little girl. <laughs> So I, I was always just in awe and um, acting pretty heftily around town uh, when I, by the time I was 15. Um, immersed myself as a sophomore, uh, junior, and senior in my high school theater program. I did one at play um, every year and um, continued to work at UC Music Theater at night. Always kind of in at least one show, if not two. It's just how I grew, it's just how I grew up. Mm -hmm. um, then I, I, I um, auditioned around, around the United States. I auditioned for um, the Prince Street Players, uh, Mr. Prince, and he asked me to, come to work on some things and come back. I, I did. And um, he suggested I audition for Juilliard, so I did. And I got accepted into the, uh, into the first uh, acting class that Juilliard was having in this, I think, I believe you're 69, 70-ish. But I'm the first generation American to ever go to college sure. in my family. We're Sicilian. And um, I was just, I loved it. I loved the idea, I wanted to go. My parents were terrified, absolutely terrified. Yeah. If there wasn't a place to stay. There, there was an inter international dorms there. But I might as well have been going back to the old country. They just they they, they just couldn't they weren't ready for mm -hmm. it. So my father bought me a um, an Oldsmobile Cutlass, and I stayed and went to U of H. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm very oh just so blessed at U of H to be there a year before Sydney came, Dr. Berger, and then Dr. Berger came of course and transformed all our lives. Yeah. And just as we were getting acclimated to Sydney. Um, Cecil arrives, and of course, as a high school student, we 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 had uh, competing one act play against the great Cecil Pickett. So I already, you know, I knew him, um, but I had never been a student. Right. And so it would take me seven years to get my undergrad, because I would work, and then I would come back and go to school, and then I would come work and come back and say, oh, I'm going to be an English major. And then I would go back and work. And when I say work, I would go do theater. And then I would come back. And um, finally, at the age of 27, I went in to see Cecil. And I said, I don't know what I'm going to do. Randy Quaid's making movies. <laughs> and I actually, Randy Quaid and I auditioned for our first movie together. Mm. Side by side. Yeah. Six um, degrees of separation right there. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It is. No. Yeah. Randy and I went to our first audition together. And uh, it was for the last picture show. And Peter Bogdanovich said, um, you're, 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 just, you're just delightful. And he was really, you know, just, it was very uplifting. He said, but, but uh, you know, um, you're just too short for the camera. Mm -hmm. and, and he was absolutely right. Right. So, you know, then I would go off and work and come back. It's just, that's the journey of an artist, isn't it? So um, I just remember landing in Cecil's office again and uh, uh, saying, you know, um, Brent Spinner, Brent Mintz is working. Mm -hmm. I mean, but what, what am I doing? What am I doing? I just didn't care. He dated you know. my mom, by the way. Huh? Anyway, oh, yeah, he, he, he did? dated my mom. Yeah. yeah. They went on a date. Oh, yeah. my goodness. Yeah, so did. anyway, well, well, we did a lot of shows <laughs> together. So um, we, I just grew up in that, in that kind of Houston U of H brat pack. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I, was, I was in the middle of it. So I was just like, what am I going to do? I, I really found the love of my life. What am I going to do? And he said, you need to teach. Mm -hmm. And I said, I, you want me to just be a teacher? And he leaned across <laughs> with those Cecil Pickett eyes and he lowered his glasses. And he said, well, and he could just pierce through your soul. Mm -hmm. Someone has to do it. Yeah. And someone has to do it right. And here you are. And here I am. <laughs> and here I am. That's right. It's a benchmark moment in my life. Yeah. 
and that's a short story of me. That's how that's how I ended up. So, I I come to the I come to education with zero, right. zero technical experience, because because we still talk about it. Our our group of U of H uh, uh, friends who who graduated back then. Um, to go down in the in the Cullen Building into the where the, into the old shop, I I mean I just remember you know my first attempt at building a step unit. They were just like saying, "Okay, it's okay, Kathy. You can just go call sound cues." Yeah. You know, in the in the sound booth, which was stage a glass booth, stage left in the old Cullen Auditorium. So uh, some of my happiest moments are in the attic theater in the old Cullen Building, and 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 absolutely on that on that stage. Um, we started the Houston Shakespeare Festival. Right. Uh, you know, uh, I was in that group. We started the Houston Children's Theater Festival. Uh, we used to we used to take showmobiles in the summer all across the inner city schools in Houston and do theater at 10 a.m. on Saturdays right. in city parks. Um, it was grand. What a great! Did they start at Miller Outdoor Theater? Yes, they yes, they had started it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so you and I have something in common because. I took seven years as well mm -hmm. <laughs> to finish my bachelor's, uh, similar reasons, but right. you know, that's it's kind a of journey. Funny. Yeah. Same thing. Same at UH. I didn't have Pickett. I had Dr. Berger though, but, it's an um, but, uh, so you went on into teaching. What was your first school? Uh, I started, I, it, it's great. I auditioned, I mean, auditioned, <laughs> I, I interviewed here kind of at, I, ironically, <laughs> uh, Friendswood high school is my first interview. Okay. But I wasn't from the University of Texas. Right. Um, and so they didn't know if they really wanted to hire me. They weren't sure because the musical here is really big. Right. And, and they just didn't think, even though I'd been in musicals with Tommy Toon, do you know, I mean, yeah. I, they just weren't sure. The, Dr. Kennedy just wasn't sure um, that I had the right stuff. Right. In the meantime, Lamarck, uh, a really close friend of mine, um, was the high school uh, theater director down in, in Lamarck. And, um, Richard Hoag, and he said, come down, I need a junior high teacher, we'll be a great team. And he had been at U of H doing his master work, and so I'd already worked with him. Sure. It's a whole U of H thing. Yeah. What an amazing education. Yeah. What an amazing group of pre-professional teaching artists. Yeah. Because that is where you learn to work. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. Sydney, I mean, was just, just, amazing at, at building that program, reinventing it completely. Right. So I was blessed to be a part of that. So I went to work at Lamar Junior High and um, ended up going with Richard to state um, um, with uh, JB and at the state meet back in, that was one of the first state UIL meet I'd ever mm -hmm. seen. I got bitten by the bug. Right. So two years later, um, there's an opening here. My high, instead of me taking a job, my high school theater director, Benny Nipper, um, was at Ross S. Sterling Houston. And when I, they called me to take the job, I said, no, but I have someone who is a hundred times better than me. And I, I, um, I called Miss Nipper and, and she took the program over. And she would, she would keep the program until 91 when I would come, come here full time. Okay. And in that time, in the, um, in the 80s, I, um, I, I'm obviously married the love of my life and, uh, worked mm -hmm. and, and did theater and, um, both at junior high and high school and Lamarck, uh, speech tournaments, all that stuff just went, came up through the ranks as a young teacher and just fell in love with teaching and, and, and had my family. And then Earl would, uh, would, um, would travel us the world. And what I mean by that is that in his in his work um, in aerospace, um, we had the honor and privilege to live in England for about six months. Right. And so I, I took a leave of absence. I mean, I left and took care of my children. And then um, we came back, and uh, then he, he was transferred to um, on a project in New York, Binghamton, New York, and working on Lear Jets. And we went to New York. And we came home, and there were... Um, I landed a job at, at J. Frank Doby mm -hmm. and enjoyed um, three, three and a half wonderful years there. And at the end of that third year, a wonderful UIL experience, and we got to re took that school to region 
three times, the first time ever that that school had ever had any success. I was really proud of that. And um, kind of energized that program. Then Earl, we transferred to Australia. And we lived in, we had the wonderful opportunity mm -hmm. to live in Australia for two and a half years. And then we, um, um, I, just as I'm coming home, Benny says, I'm gonna retire. I, I've bought this place in Dickinson called the Harbor Playhouse. Mm -hmm. I want you to come and see it. Now remember, she's like my mother, right? right? I mean, I came into her, she came into my life when I was 15. And, and, and I've told them that you are the person you're it. And I've been here since 91, 92. So in a weird way, just making sure it's still going. Yeah, in a weird way, because yeah. you said this, and I, maybe you haven't caught on to this. Maybe I'm making you privy to this, but what? you said that Friendswood didn't want to hire you because you weren't a Longhorn, and then you went to Dobie. I became a Longhorn. <laughs> I did. I earned. And then Friendswood then said, Friends oh. said, "Oh, you must. Yeah, you've got some orange on you. That's right. You know, that it was just. It, I, I, I believe that they were. They, you know, this musical program yeah. that I've inherited, right? It, it's 53 years old. Right. And for whatever reason, um, it, it, and it wasn't the principal, and it wasn't the superintendent. It, it was just, it was Dr. Kennedy herself. Right. She just, she had somebody else in mind. Which is, when did this become Dr. Kennedy, when did this become the auditorium named after her? We named it after her um, six years ago when she passed away. Okay, okay. And when uh, she passed away. And, and rightfully so. Right, right. Um, yeah, good. And this auditorium that we're sitting in now is 50 years old, correct? Yes. Uh, it doesn't look 50. It's, well, thank it's you. Got some, it is clean and it's yes, warm. It's very clean. It's welcoming. It's old school looking, yes. but it doesn't look like it's got 50 years of life on no. it. No. But it's seen a lot. It's the fan style of seating, sure. which yeah. is modeled after the architect came in and had looked at the old, at the, at the old alley. Uh, and if you really, if you kind of, now if you know that and you sit around and yeah. you look at it, you totally yeah, see it. Yeah, absolutely. You, you see the, the vision. Yeah. So, so um, even, even I had, top too. yes, yeah, exactly yeah, at yeah. top. So I had, I had done, I'd, I'd worked at the alley, um, thanks yeah. to Cecil Pickett. You know, we, we, we were all about town working. Right. And, and so when I got here, it did, it, it that wrapper, this wraparound right. side, I mean, our proscenium is 62 feet right. wide. Yeah. Holy moly. Yeah. Oh, you know, know, but know it wraps pain. around. Yeah. So it's a cozy yeah. room. Yeah. But. She's a tired old room. She's <laughs> yes. tired. She's yes. just tired. And so speaking of that, there was just an article about it that Don Maines, who most yeah. local theater Don't we teachers love her. know. Yeah. Don't we love uh, him? Yeah, a did, shout out to Don. Yes. Um, <laughs> very giving in our in our profession. He is. Um, but did a write-up pretty much about the age and um, deterioration, if you will, of the space. And the deterioration that is out of con out of your control. Beyond yes. even the district's yes. control. I want to tell you that... Because that, it's you know, well taken care of. Absolutely. Yes. It is clean and yeah. it is well taken yeah. care of. But, you know, um, in 90, 91, a, um, a drill parent put out a cigarette. Do you remember the... Do we remember that we could smoke in yeah. schools, yeah. you know? Yeah. It was coming in to do a dance... Uh, it was during UIL State, so I was at UIL State, wa uh, as wa watching, and um, <laughs> with with Mrs. Nipper, and um, literally a parent put a uh, cigarette out to, at the door back there, yeah. to uh, just come in to do dance rehearsal for the mom mother daughter dance. Sure. And before you know it, that it flashed up, and as you can see, the acoustically we use yeah. we use wood, we use maple wood around, and it just it, the, the fire flashed forward. Hmm. Of course, the the smoke damage is in the brick and the structure, right. and even though it was remediated, acid yeah. stays. So now what we have are some crumbling bricks and walls, sure. and and the the floor has been refinished many times. But termites right. love ash, and yep. it just is what it is, and it it's time, you know. Yeah. Um, but I want to be the person. I want to work in a palace. Who wouldn't? Yeah. <laughs> um, but I've had those opportunities. Yeah. So this is this is my tired old room, and I want to be the person to turn the lights out. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so a weird transition. No. The way we met sure. was yes. going to the, uh, the the 
the, what's what's it called the the tour the, the fam the, tour the fam for the, tu- for yeah, the, the familiarization tour yes the fam tour for, for the american high school theater festival yes uh yes. to go to edinburgh and it was love at first sight and, and, and yes why well, i knew you were a cougar we speak the same language how did they do that to it, us it was yeah it was almost the four of us just hung out because ram was a part of the, right. the four oh, of us with amy too just but um that it was, was one of the a special time in my life yes it was very fun very good time uh lots of a lot of bonding, uh, Absolutely. if you will. Uh, now, I didn't end up going. We know. <laughs> I'm going to look at where, what happened. So for us, it was, uh, we had some broken promises um, from people that said that they would give us some money, some financial backing. And so when we accepted and when we sold it to our parents in our community and said, this is what we would like to do, here's some of the promises that we have from XYZ those that they accepted that they said oh then if we already have a percentage let's say 25 percent of the funds then sure we could figure out a way to get the other 75 and we did a pretty darn good job getting a a first chunk but then people started getting tired and and everything that they said would happen happened as far as um getting you know enthusiasm yeah enthusiasm Uh, yes and so our uh some of those promises fell through and mm-hmm. we just we couldn't make the money right. um oh so it's we, a large commitment yeah it's a yeah. very large commitment yeah and um you know we had we had been asked we had been asked 10 years ago or so to go i think peter Sargent was originally on that board and he was always saying you, you need to go you need yeah. to go so we were invited many times i went to a fam trip and then I came back and literally in uh, 2000, FISD, uh, Dr. Kennedy and our superintendent said, whoa, you cannot take $50,000 yeah. out of this community. Because remember, Friendswood were unique. Yeah. We, we, we have million dollar homes, true. Yeah. But we also have apartments and trailer homes. Yes. Right, yeah. right? And so that's a lot of money, especially into that, to take out of a community. And, and, and it was probably a wise choice at, at that time. Um, and if they say no, that's, that's, you know, that made that, that we were unable to go. Sure. But I always, it was kind of like a job unfinished, something that, you know, a dream and unfulfilled. So we, were, we, we, we made it work. Yeah. We absolutely made it work last year. And um, it, was, it was absolutely worth it. And yeah. you know what made it worth it? Just seeing the the light bulbs go off just seeing the sparks ignite just just seeing the the students exposed just walking across the thames and seeing the globe and getting to go back i i mean I, i was very lucky enough to study there and um so there were some really benchmark moments in my soul and my theater soul yeah to finally get an opportunity to um to direct in that in that country do you feel that like so i walked in today and saw one act play rehearsal yes. do you feel some of those kids have oh. been changed absolutely oh yeah. forever yeah forever yeah and i believe that's kind of universal to all those kids at least i would hope so yeah. i mean and i but i i mean i think you're going to agree with me i think it always and i think it always 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 depends on the the teacher it sure. always depends on the director yeah if all the leader exactly yeah. we set the tone for mm-hmm. learning um we ignite the yearning mm-hmm. to improve yeah i mean that's what an actor actors have to do that's what it's a, it's a yearning yeah. of course we need to know what our goals are and our obstacles and all of that stuff yeah. but we have to we have to have that yearning to do it in the first place yeah. if we start treating it like a job so so some people call would i mean everybody's a different word for it yeah i call it yearning it's the need to 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 do better yeah. the the need to to finish your your uh, master's degree it's the need to sit in the room and smell the air yeah right it's yeah. that yearning it's, yeah for me it's passion or, or stage presence mm-hmm. I, I mean i i can't tell you how many times during this past rehearsal process with one act play i said you have stage presence and you fixed this 
problem on stage. You don't have stage presence, and you need to get to this level. That's right. So that you can also succeed. Right. Uh, no, no, it, it, it's absolutely true. Yeah. I, um, I think it's a, I think it's Carolyn Boone, who <laughs> sure. says you got to bring some cookies to the party. Yeah. Yeah, Isn't yeah. that true? Yeah. But yeah. and that's what I'm saying. That this is that University of Houston education. Yeah. You just have some. We they just get to it. They get to the through line very yeah. well. Okay, so I'm 70 years old and I'm still saying you got to bring some cookies to the party, man. I, I you know you got to bring something on this deck. Yeah. I, I know I told you to stand there. That's good. Yeah. What's going on? Yeah. You you're there to make a scene. You're there yeah. to tell the story. I can't act for you. No. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my favorite analogy is uh, a show is a piece of raw chicken and all these actors are the spice. And you've gotta, <laughs> there you go. You've got to be able to figure out how to Well, spice actually, that that, I just gave that note. I just talked to Grayson. I just talked to one of my lead actors. And I just said, it is going to be up to you, because I do believe this, mm -hmm. a good director... It takes a lot of. It takes a long time to realize this. Actors are very fragile. Sure. So it's our job to plant the seeds and give them appointments right. and then help them fill in the blanks. Right. But they're like an orchid. If you breathe on them the wrong way, they're going to shut down right. on you. So I, a good director knows when to, you know, there's this thing about micromanaging. Mm -hmm. A good leader, a good, a good facilitator, a good director, but a good teacher of youth knows when to let the actor drive mm -hmm. till they can find their truth and then take it and sculpt it and make it live right, right? and that i think young directors are really busy i i, I feel that 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 that's sorry okay. that's a school bell <laughs> um Still going here. Yeah, cool. Okay. I think young directors have that tendency to want to be in control of every moment. A good director knows when to get out of the way of the actors. Yeah. So I just get back to, to seasoning. I just said to, to one of my actors, uh, it, 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 we need to make the choice. Now it's time to in this transition. It's a huge beat change. We can do it this way, this way, or this way. Whatever sauce we put on this, it will be entirely up to you. Then you empower the young actor, obviously. But it's got to have some sauce. Mm -hmm. We gotta, we gotta have some flavor. We, we can, we can do it this way, which leads to this, because I, you know, what one thing I'm fascinated about. I've never done it, but but I've, but I've, <laughs> but when I teach directing to to young teachers and things, I love the whole idea to me is. It's maybe I grew up watching Johnny Carson too much, but I love it when they would have the domino people out. Sure. And they would line up all the dominoes on the soundstage floor, right? And these people would spend two days or a day <laughs> or you know, 13 yeah. hours setting up all those things. And it's that moment where you that pop that first domino because that's what a play is. Yeah. Every moment leads to the next moment, which leads to the next moment, which leads. And it, you know, I love it when they go up and over bridges. But that to me, it's just been the strongest metaphor for directing that I ever, I mean, I can't burn it out of my, right. I can't pretend I didn't see it. Right. Because, because that's the epiphany. I mean, that is exactly it. And the second you can get your young people to buy into that, then, then it, it, um, yeah. it will fall into place. And eventually you, will, you won't have to lay down the last 10 dominoes. Right. They will lay themselves down. Yeah. And so with that said, I have a, it's not a superstition. I, it's not superstition, but it may appear to be. I, I, I have a protocol. I'm going to be really use a big word. <laughs> I have a protocol. I, I do not finish the play. The last three pages, maybe the last four pages. Sometimes if it's Shakespeare, the last scene, I don't finish it. We leave it naked and unaffected because how do we know how it will end if we haven't really started living in it. Mm -hmm. I have an idea. We don't even touch it. We'll just stop. And it creates sort of a mystery and a secret organically mm -hmm. for your actors and your techies. Mm -hmm. And they're sort of waiting for it. But then all of a sudden they discover and generally, okay, nine times out of 10, they finish it themselves, right? right? It'll, it will always finish itself. Where did you, did you come up with that? Or is that something you were taught or? 
That's just me. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it, I, it's just something that kind of came. I mean, I mean, I mean, it, I, and I think it's my love for Shakespeare. He wrote episodically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And 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 he didn't di- when he started when he picked up the quill. He didn't know how R. I mean, he didn't know how the play would end. Sure. Orange. He didn't know. Right. Right. An idea. Yeah. So that is just one of. I mean, that's just something that I personally do. Do you have a passion for Shakespeare before or after Dr. Berger? Before, but totally, totally naive and totally just maybe in love with the romance. Sure. Because I remember I'm an English major as well. Yeah. I had the same English teacher. It's a different study, though. It's a different way to study. I had the same English teacher for for three years. Right. Which is a great idea. Sophomore, junior, and senior. And... In high she, school? In high yeah. school. She just yeah. nourished my love, yeah. my passion. She, she taught me how to read it. I, I, you know, Mrs. Nipper wouldn't touch it. And so I had, when I got to Sydney, I had the yearning. Right. So I was like a sponge. Right. You didn't need, I didn't need Sir Peter, you know, but I, did, I needed, I just, yeah. I hung on every word. Sure. Absolutely. Uh, it's funny you also say that's another parallel between us. I had the same English teacher a couple years in high school as well, Chris Gibson. So who is a, I don't know if he's still acting locally, but uh, was a Shakespeare guy. Yeah, so, yeah. And this is at HSPVA where yeah, 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 obviously yeah. Bob Singleton is Bob, also yes, beating okay. you over the head with oh, Shakespeare and well, literature and stuff. So you know, some of the best years of my life, I eventually became a Longhorn. Um <laughs> I, I, you know, um, there've been some really special people in my life, yeah. like Lynn, Lynn Murray, of course. And, um, and then he had a vision for me that I didn't know. And my father had recently passed away and it was the first summer after I lost my dad, which is, you know, if you're in a, a, a Sicilian female, um, That's a big, yeah. it's yeah. not that, not to diminish. Yeah loss of any father but it's yeah it's huge yeah. my father re- did not he he worked every day and, and until he was 80 years old and he spent the last two years here with me right they would call him uh, mr trombatory and they would um um the lunch ladies knew him he would come he right. we were still using benches and chairs and stools that my father made wow. seriously we became his he just my they I mean, I've never did a show. They weren't there. So I got a phone call from Lynn Murray, and he, he said, I need for you to come finish your graduate degree. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I guess because I'd been to state a few times, and he, I don't know. It doesn't matter, whatever reason. It was just thank God he called me because he changed my life forever. And one reason he changed my life forever is because, I don't know if I can say it without crying, is because I got to sit in the classroom of Bob Singleton. I got to relearn directing the Francis Hodge way um, with Bob Singleton and even make everything. He just re-opened my eyes. He, he, he made me remember all the things that, I mean, absolutely one of the most amazing teachers and spirits of generosity and everything on the, on the planet. And I'll always be in debt of my UT family. Yeah. And then the most wonderful thing, you know, you get to work with Larry Wisdom and Sue and watch your babies grow up. We spent six or seven wonderful summers together, all of us, six, six um, you know, it was theater boot camp. Back, we took 50 kids. And then, you know, David Stevens rolled in. He was the young one and we, we it was just, it was theater boot camp and, and after Mr. Murray would leave at night, you know, and we're, I'm 40 years old and we're <laughs> running around the, the behind pain and we're, you know, we're having uh, water gun wars and oh my <laughs> gosh, what a joy, what yeah. an absolute joy. Some of the best years of my life yeah. uh, spent in summer theater camps with 50 high school kids. <laughs> just crazy. Just um, so grateful for Lynn, for Bob, Larry, Sue, just yeah. And David, they're just um, my theater family. Yeah. So you're very passionate. Absolutely. Um, what you, Life's too short. What you believe in, you're very passionate about. So I want to transition real fast. Absolutely. And, uh, um, and then we can wrap up because we've got to get away from Corona. 
But um, you are very active with ADA right. rights, pretty much. I mean, Ab for lack of better words, That's it's right. you know getting. Uh, and and one one spot that you and I also bonded on was my mother was wheelchair bound uh, in a scooter and we called her rascal but um, uh, and so you and I fought similar fights at different points in our lives. That's correct. You 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 were you you were far ahead of me. <laughs> well, but I was also a teenager and correct. you know uh, probably um, uh, a little less effective because I wasn't you know. A seasoned vet, if mm. you will, but um, but I was just as loud. But you have been able to kind of like uh, steer the way, pardon the pun, steer the way mm. uh, for having um, air, started with airplane access. I know that was one of the big things. Still working on it. Uh, still Actually, working on it. They yeah. had a they had a meeting two days ago. Okay, uh, but I know that that's you've, in you've, cart. You've, you've yes. been in front of. Correct me if I'm wrong. You've you've been in front of houses or House of Representatives of some sort. Or, oh, yes, uh, seven times. Yeah, with the state or national level. National. Or both. Okay. National. So um, the United States Congress. Because I know Ted Cruz was yes. uh, integral in that as well with yes. you. Um, so speak on that a little All bit. All right. You know, Let, and, and I know you could sit here for the next few days. I could talking about ten, it. Ten years ago, um, the unimaginable happened. Um, my husband's heart took a beat yeah. through a clot and the good news is that it went through the um, the the congenital hole in his heart that we he didn't know he had went through that chamber the bad news is it lodged and split into two places in the mid pawns of his brain okay. which left him locked in which meant that the pawn sits is the highest spinal cord injury that you possibly could have truly because it's command central. Right. So it split, it was bilateral. So everything, all his signals, instead of going up and down, up the left and down the right or however you want to imagine it, um, one was high, one lesion was high from the blood clot and one, the damage was low. So everything had to make an S for Earl. Um, Earl opened his eyes and blinked. Um, it's a long story, but long story short, Earl uh, blinked five blinks and saved his life. And we began to communicate immediately. Only, you know, he couldn't look left or right. Um, we didn't pick the stroke, it picked us. Mm -hmm. But Earl um, was um, an aerospace engineer right. with United States patents and an incredible father and more incredible husband. He loved my theater. He drove, he used to drive the one act truck. Hmm. You know, he never missed, he'd never missed a one act play. He never missed a performance here. He would come in, he would come in from, from, you know, work at eight o'clock or so. And he would just walk through and we'd just wander through. And, and anyway, long story short, Earl blinked that he wanted to be a miracle of God first and then a miracle of science second. Pretty early on, we realized the miracle of science wasn't going to just happen unless we fought for it. So we were able to land at, at Tier. And we spent seven months in and out that first year and to get him stable and back to a great condition. And then the most amazing person came into our lives. I was standing, I was standing Kroger checking out about uh, 14 months after Earl's stroke in uh, 2010. And I got a phone call from United Spinal Houston from an amazing, um, amazing mentor, Rafferty Laredo. And he said, hey, Kathy, it's Rafferty. I was just wondering, would you and Earl consider going to Washington hmm. to speak? for the first annual role on Capitol Hill for, for disability rights for people with predominantly just spinal cord injuries and diseases. Right. This went, oh my goodness. I, I never thought, because we'd already been fighting battles. Right. We, are, we already learned that the first answer from, a, from an American insurance company is gonna be no. no. Yeah. You've always got to escalate. You always have to tell them to turn on the recorders, and then you have to tell them that you've turned on your tape yeah. recorders. You have to ask them if they're going to accept medical liability for their for their possible fatal decisions that affect your loved one's life. I already was already learning all that, and I guess I was using my passion to fight those battles to slay those dragons. And we said yes. 
we were too afraid to fly. Mm -hmm. We drove. We drove with a caregiver, and then our daughters met us there, and that whole world opened up to us. Yeah. Um, and Earl, who had to type with his eyes, much like like Stephen Hawking, mm -hmm. Stephen Stephen's eyes didn't track as well, so we they used muscles on his face, but Earl's eyes worked. Earl went back to NASA to work, but then decided, you know, he was amazing. I mean, how does a locked-in person who can't move but can just blink go back to work at NASA? Not NASA, but Raytheon NASA. So anyway, I, I you know, we made that happen with, with tear. And so we fought for Earl's recovery. And then we realized my, my daughters, Kristen and, and Lindsay, uh, and my, my sister Debbie, we, with Rafferty's help, we discovered that Earl, a voiceless man, probably had the loudest yeah. voice in the room. Yeah. Yeah. And and we found his mission. Earl lived just like I did. It's not an accident an actress ends up with a with an aerospace engineer. You go from mission to mission, from sure. show to show, from casting to casting, right? We were perfect for each other. Yeah. A lot of people go, How do how you're you know, you your two worlds, you know, at cocktail parties. <laughs> yeah. How did you how did you two meet? How did you how did you end up, you know, with, with an actress? And um it and Earl would always so wisely say, We're both in simulation. <laughs> I simulate in an air air cargo bay sure. and Kathy simulates in the in the black box in right. the black world. I was like, ah, oh, it was love at first sight. So we found our voice and started making progress on uh, complex rehabilitation uh, services. Like, right. like, and Earl would type things like, you cannot train for the MBA. Mm -hmm. You can't, I run marathons. I can't train for a marathon in 25 days. I can't train for the NBA in, in, in 25 days. I can't train for the NFL. I can't train for the NHL. I can't train, I, I can't train for any sport right. in 25 days. How do you expect me to recover from this stroke? You right. always said this stroke. In 25 days a year of therapy. Right. And people would look at Earl, then they would look at me and I would point to Toby and um, we yeah. just kept reminding them. So we kind of, my daughters and my sister and Earl and I, we just, we put the face in Washington. What we did was we put the face of an American family who sends astronauts right. to the space station and who sends kids to state right. and who worked hard and who has an attorney general for a daughter, that American family, right. not the one that you want to pity, but that American family that, that, that against all odds is going to make something happen. But we, we put the face on that if it can happen to us, it can happen to anyone. So we right. put the face of what disability looks like in America. Right. And, and, um, you know, because there's stigmas there. There's stigma when a person is voiceless. There's a stigma when a person is at a, um, for heaven's sakes, a socioeconomic level. Mm -hmm. You think, well, probably they didn't take care of themselves. Yeah. Do you know that's yeah. that idea? Yeah. Or there's a stigma that, well, they just, they just didn't do the right things. Right. But Earl ran marathons with astronauts. <laughs> he played volleyball with astronauts. Right. So then one final little question, because I can answer this too based on my experience. Yes. Were there elements to your life that you had been taking for granted that once this happened in 2010, you realized, oh, wow, okay, so this could be happening. For instance, well, an example for me is very basic elementary, but no. I did not realize why there were striped spots oh, next to a handicap spot. Right, for the low, for the eight foot. Yeah, yeah because I didn't yeah. realize that until my mom oh, had a ramp coming out of her van. Absolutely. So, there were yeah. things about like curb cutouts. Yeah. So absolutely. Once you're in a chair and you're rolling in the universe, yeah. you just go, 
so you realize yeah. how painful it is to have a full body lift yeah. out of a out of a of a chair yeah. that that you didn't even that's not even big enough uh, to to fit a, a standard second grader, right. and you're going to put a five foot eleven man yeah. who weighs 175 pounds in that chair and roll him over the over the the threshold to the cabin, and right. then body lift him and put him into a chair. Right. And yes, you. I think that the walkers yeah. in the world, and it, it, it's not, this isn't, I'm not trying, just you don't realize because it's not in our normal vocabulary, right? right? It, it, no, I absolutely, um, and it's a great question, of course. Yeah. You discover things that you never think about all the time, where water fountains are. Sure. In the United States Capitol, only one wheelchair and barely a a, a human attendant can fit into those, those century-old, those two, 200-year-old room yeah. and the bathrooms yeah. as well. Yeah. The elevators, they're not accommodating. Right. So we got them to fix some things right. because you can't go into a bathroom stall in calf right. in the United States Capitol because there wasn't enough room to move. Right. But they fixed it right. because because we rolled on, on there. And it's just, yes, absolutely. Um, I... I think Jim Rambo was maybe one of the first people to be brave enough to ask, um, Kathy, how do you do it? Mm-hmm. And, you know, the show must go on kind of mm-hmm. the way we grew up and the way we learned at U of H. I hadn't stopped to think about how I was doing it. You just do. You, like, yeah. Right, it's, right. I mean, uh, it's I've the new normal, right, yeah. right. But I, I know, and there's just those frozen moments yeah. in our lives, especially when you have a catastrophic event happen to someone you love. Um, that was a frozen moment because he, ma- he just stopped my world for a moment, you know, to be that, mo- that, that saying to be still, know you are. Yeah. And I went, I, do- I really need to know how I'm doing it. And I, I think the most wonderful enlightening is that I did it and I could do it and I persevered and we got to the other side and we made the world a better place because theater had already taught me what a 13 and 14 and 15 hour day looked like. Mm-hmm. Theater had already taught me that failure's not an option. Earl said failure's not an option. We learned the show mm-hmm. must go on. Minor wisdom.